This is a disclaimer. Ben and I do not actually agree or believe these conspiracy theories. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome back to Conspiracy Talk. I'm your host, John, and I'm here with co-host Ben, and no guest this week because everyone's busy. Anyway, how are you, Ben? I'm doing good. That's good. Yeah. Would you like to brief us on the current situation of the county? Because I'm sure you probably have more information than I do about this. Well, you see, the reason... Okay, we're actually doing remote podcasts again. Because you see, some people are like, oh, hey, I have COVID. And that's like 45 of them. Now, currently at the moment, it's probably wise to not socialize at the moment, and then also our school is going to a hybrid system whenever it starts. I'm I'm expecting to be full online before end of September. Really? Mm-hmm. With the way that the cases have skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we and probably we're- more. Like, we just recently had the festival that always happens in uh, early August, and I'm sure that helped the numbers to go up by quite a bit. Well, I heard it had, part of it could also be with the meatpacking plant that is in the town. Uh, yeah, down here, mm-hmm. or up here, I guess. Like, I think most people that had it also worked there, and apparently meatpacking plants within the last year have had problems with outbreaks. Yeah, like the E. coli thing over at the White Castle thing in the sandwich meat place. Yeah. And then, yes. uh, like, down here, or, yeah, here in, like, uh, south-central Kansas, uh, we've had, like, even up in Wichita, their cases have been going back up, and they seem to kind of be leveling out now, but down where we are, uh, it's... It, it's anyone's game at this point because our cases are going up by quite a bit. And I never I, knew that. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, you go ahead. Um, even like even school. I mean, there's we have a new system where we've been assigned a color and uh, we go on certain days. And even with that, I people send their kids to school with something all the time like when they're sick how how is that going to help our covid numbers yeah and yeah. and also like especially with this area there's of course there's like it's easier to social distance cuz we're not like a large city like Kansas City where there are more people crammed into a small space so I mean, COVID. Yeah. I was about to say, I never knew Battle Royale would really take off because it went from being in reality to, in, I mean, it went from being a game and then it went to, and jumped to reality. Oh, oh. Have you seen any of the recent, like, especially on, it's really popular on Reddit right now where people are putting. Uh, certain politicians on blast. No, I don't believe I have. Okay, so basically, uh, people are putting our president on blast for supposedly using campaign bots. And this is going to get controversial real quick, so we should probably, like, tone it back a bit, but still, this is, like, it's the information age. Also, and just to let you know, I I had not heard of the bots up until this point. Which... It's all over Twitter right now. Hmm. Yeah, I don't get on Twitter a whole lot either. So. I have Twitter on my phone, I just don't, yeah. Which reminds me, how active are we on our uh, social media accounts for our podcast? Absolutely none, because I've been under quite a bit of stress recently. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to probably get everything to you pretty soon. Got it. So let's talk conspiracy theories. 
Fingerprints of the Gods. I I have a vague idea of what it's about, but like nothing real big. So The Fingerprints of the Gods is a book about the evidence of Earth's lost civilization. It was written in 1995 as a pseudo-archaeology book by Graham Hancock in which the author's echoes 19 19th century writer Ign I can't speak. Igna I'm going to say Ignatius Donnelly, author of Atlantis, the Ante. Oh my gosh, this has so many confusing words. Antediluvian world, and this that was written in 1882. The contending that an enigmatic ancient advanced civilization existed in prehistory, one which served as the common pre. Oh my gosh, there's so many words that I can't read. Progenitor, I'm butchering all of this, civilization to all subsequent known ancient historical civilizations. The author proposes that sometime around the end of the last ice age, this civilization ended in a, a, a cataclysm. So like Atlantis, like with the big undersea earthquake and explosion, maybe? I just know that I think in ancient Greek or Roman mythology, whatever Atlantis is, it was supposedly sunken by Poseidon, right? I think so. So I guess that's their way of saying that uh, the sea just engulfed the city or something. Hancock's views are based on the idea that mainstream interpretations of archaeological evidence are flawed or incomplete. Okay, so that didn't give me a good summary at all. Yeah, I'd say so. Basically, it's just alternative history in sort of way, I guess. Let's see. There's okay. Then there's the thesis, which is on. Uh, if you don't know, we're also reading this one off of Wikipedia. Thesis: Hancock argues for a civilization-centered on Antarctica, which lay further from the South Pole than today. That supposedly left evidence the fingerprints of the tidal in ancient Egypt in uh, America in American civilization, such as Olmec, Aztec, and Maya. Hancock discusses creation myths describing deities like Osiris, Thoth, which are Egyptian, Quetzalcoatl, I probably butchered that, which is Mesoamerica. Quetzalcoatl. Okay, did did, did Miss Bobbitt talked about that in English last year. It sounds kind of... What's okay. so cool, yeah. We studied uh, history uh, a couple years ago. And then, uh, Virococa? Virococa. Which is, which is Andes. A range of archaeological sites such as Tiwanaku, I probably butchered that in Bolivia. Tiwanaku was a planned city which, according to UNESCO and reached its peak between 480 and 900 AD, but it's signed an earlier date by Hancock. Tiwanaku is also featured in other works of alternative archaeology, including Von Daniken's Chariots of the Gods, which we'll talk about him and his book here in a bit. Von Daniken suggests that it provides evidence of extraterrestrial civilization where areas Hancock does not argue for ancient astronauts. He proposes Atlantis as the origin of a lost civilization. Okay, so like Atlantis, it's been lost, well, supposedly lost for what, 10,000 years? Yeah, I'd say stuff like that because we know about it from Plato, and then Plato knows about it because people, because the person before him told him about it, and then the person before that guy told him about it. So I guess it's been a legend that was nearly forgotten until we like looking up stuff that Plato was talking about. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Okay. According Atlantis is according to this, Atlantis was supposedly in the Bahamas. Oh, yeah. I'm, there's different. There's different theories on where Atlantis has been or where it was. It's interesting because I've seen one. Because I mean, I've seen. I think Plato described it as. Atlantis is just west of the Straits of Gibraltar, 
or it should not maybe not west, but like it should be somewhere past the Straits of Gibraltar. I remember it mentioning that. According to MarineInsight.com, the lost city of Atlantis, first mentioned by the Greek philosopher Plato more than 2,300 years ago, is known as the oldest and greatest is known as one of the oldest and greatest mysteries of the world. According to Plato, the Utopian Island Kingdom exist, existed more some oh my gosh some nine thousand years before his time and just mysteriously disappeared in a day. So the city's been lost for about eleven thousand three hundred years. Strange. Strange. Yeah. All right. Then I'll go ahead and read the rest. Of what's in the thesis thing at the moment then hancock suggests that in 10,450 bc a major polar shift took place before then antarctica lay far, farther than south pole than today and then after then it shifted to its present location the pole shift hypothesis hinges on charles hapgood's theory of earth crustal displacement hapgood had a good i mean had a <laughs> hapgood had a fascination with the story of atlantis and suggests that crustal displacement may have caused its destruction Histories have few supporters in the geological community compared to the more widely accepted model of plate tectonics. But they were adopted by Rose and Rand Flem Eths when the sky fell in search of Atlantis, which it says 1995-2009, so I'm going to guess maybe it's some sort of book or documentary, in which they expand the evidence of Charles Hapgood's theory of Earth crust displacement and propose Antarctica as the site of Atlantis. I have a question. When... And I could probably ask Google this. When was the Disney film Atlantis released? I'd say probably mid to late 90s to early 2000s. When was Atlantis released from Disney? In the United States of America, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, came out on June 3rd, 2001. Okay. So it was back in 2001 was the second one. No, this is the first one. The second one came out three years later. I don't know if I've watched either of them. Uh, Atlantis is really good. The second one, mm, it's, it's not as good. Okay. Right, let's see. So, like... Fingerprints of the gods. I thought this was going to be something, like, completely different. Like a landmass somewhere that's, like, in the shape of a fingerprint. Or, uh... Like the... It's like... I was... I was thinking it was going to be along the same lines as the... Rishat structure, or the Eye of the Sahara. Yeah. I thought it was going to be more like that than just like a book yeah. i mean yes it does say book in the spreadsheet but that didn't stop me from thinking oh land mass of course yeah just like there's a land mass that looks very similar to a human like fingerprint and just like oh hey fingerprint of the gods why is why is the only one Was God using the Earth as like a like basketball and just twirling it on his finger? You know, a lot of people think that's how the wor world moves in a circle. That's an actual theory. Wait, really? Yeah, some like I know some religions believe that we're sk spun around on like God's finger. At least I've heard of that theory before. I have not heard that at all. I'll see if I can find it. So do you mean we're just... So you mean this, that God's an NBA player just, like, spitting it on his finger? He, he's like LeBron James. <laughs> For those of you who don't realize, uh, like, I'm religious. Jonathan, you'd consider yourself religious, right? I do indeed. Yeah. Like... Actually, within, like, the last month or so, I've actually tried reading more of my Bible. I think within the next couple of days, I'll probably try to finish the book of Genesis. 
I got into a habit of trying to, well, I've been trying to get into a habit of reading through the Bible again since it's been a couple of years. Uh, I found something. According to Wikipedia, the finger of God is a phrase used in the Bible. In Exodus eight sixteen through 20, it is used during the plagues of Egypt by the Egyptian magicians. In Exodus 31, 18 and Deuteronomy 9, 10, it refers to the method by which the Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone. That were brought down from the biblical Mount Sinai by Moses. I don't know which religions that they are. I, I can't find anything about them. Okay. Anyway, let's. I mean, I know that there's a song that they teach younger kids called "He's Got the Whole World in His Hands." Remember that? Yeah, I mean, have you seen the movie Rocket Man? Nope. Okay, so basically this guy named Fred Randall, he works at NASA as like a technician, and then he's put into the astronaut program because he injures the astronaut that's supposed to go to Mars, and then he's on the phone with the president, and like the whole, the conversation's being streamed to the world, and he starts singing, he's got the whole world in his hands, and then tries translating it to different languages, but it's really offensive. He speaks <laughs> France, French, and he says something along the lines of something, 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 Chanel number five. And then oh, he shit. tries speaking Chinese, which is even more offensive. And yeah, it's just a whole mess. I mean, it's a funny movie, but like, it's not the greatest. When you said Rocket Man, I thought we were going to be talking about that movie that was based on Ellen John's life that came out like a year or two ago. Uh, with Rockstar? I thought it was called Rocket Man. I might be thinking something different. Alright, let's move on to The Ninja. Oh, this is cryptid, isn't it, Ben? Yes. I found the cryptid fandom. Alright. A ninjin is a cryptid that is located in the oceans of Antarctica and southern Asia, and it has several appearances, and it is at least 20 to 30 meters long. So, meters to feet, because I'm bad at conversions. 20 to 30, so that's anywhere from... Uh-oh. Anywhere from, come on, come on, hmm. three point eight one times. So it could be anywhere from 76 feet to 114.3. Okay. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant gap. According to witnesses, it has many appearances and has pale white skin. It has multiple appearances, including above water and underwater. I mean, naturally, it lives underwater, but... The ninja has been described as a humongous, blubbery, whale-like creature... Could it be a whale? Whose smooth, pale form vaguely resembles the head, torso, and appendages of a human being. Oh, it's this thing. Yeah. It's like after you scroll being down. tortured like a... Oh. Oh, Ben, you shouldn't have. <laughs> So basically well, I mean, what we're looking at is, I mean, like, it has the body of a whale, not probably a little longer than some whales. Like a giant bulbous head, and then, like, arms, the fingers, it's, ugh. Well, I mean, the one, I think the ones you're looking at is the artist rendition of it. Because there's a couple, there's, like, two artist rendition of it, and then there's, like, one appearance of an engine, and then a photo of an engine swimming. Or yes. an engine. I don't really know how to pronounce it, but well. It's 
not great. So like this thing, this thing. Imagine, imagine if it could walk on land, right? I mean, there is an artist rendition of it walking on land. Yeah, I'm looking at that, and I don't appreciate that. But like, imagine, like we live in a landlocked area. Imagine seeing that just kind of like walk out of a lake. With no prior knowledge as to what it is. That's, that's terrifying. These beasts have supposedly been seen in the Pacific, Antarctic, and Atlantic Oceans, and are always described as being extraordinarily large with a whitish complexion. Many observers also report that it has... What? That these animals have no distinct facial features, save for two huge eyes and a mouth-like slit. According to most accounts, these creatures are primarily nocturnal and tend to thrive in frigid Arctic waters. Well, um, I'm never sleeping again. Don't worry, we're not in the Arctic, but we should be fine. Hmm. That's not an image I want to ever see again. Like, the mouth-like slit, don't... There's, like, an animal... Shoot, what's it called? A stingray that has something similar that looks like it's got a face on its stomach because it has, like, the mouth with the gills and everything. It's just terrifying looking. Mr. Ray from Nemo is a lot less scary. This <laughs> is... All I mean, looking at the images, it's like, mmm. Medieval person, torture, a person who was tortured medieval times and stretched out. He wants his revenge. Like, what do these things do? Hmm. Probably eat on fish or something, or the occasional, like, penguin. What do they want? Huh. This is gonna be in my search history forever. What? I mean, I was telling Ben earlier that I was looking at my search history because I'd closed a tab for a scholarship application type thing. And, uh, and the first thing that I saw was lizard people in my search history. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> what do ninjins want? Let's see. They look like ice from far away. Yeah. Yes, but what what's their end game? Okay. I feel like if they're like, just like any other animal on Earth, it's just to live, survive, eat, reproduce. I do have... Um, ninjins appear most often at night to feed... And the word ninjin means human in Japanese, so apparently it was an originally like a Japanese myth hmm. that's been given life. Uh, uh -huh. 60 to 90 feet long. So I guess would this be like an example of a myth of mermaids in a sort of way or no? Uh, this is more of a mer monster. It's terrifying. They live in remote locations, and it's very expensive to take a trip with just the hopes of catching sight of one. There are also rumors that the Japanese government is monitoring internet postings and photos of ninjins in attempts to remove them to avoid causing widespread panic, and this is on Thought Catalog, so it's not exactly very trustworthy, but... Well, guess we're getting spotted by the Japanese now. 
Let me just pull up our podcast analytics, make sure we don't have a Japanese audience. At least not yet, anyways. So. So. All right, let's see. Um. Oh, I need to read. There. We go. All right, let's see. The city of Etsanoa. What do we know about that, Benjamin? Okay, so this one's actually kind of in our area. Well, not exactly. It's the uh. So you know where Ark City is, right? Uh, yes. So this is an American village and or city that used to be located there that most of Ark City is now built on top of, possibly. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a historical Wichita tribe city located in present-day Ark Can- City, Kansas, near the Ark Kansas River that flourished between... 1450 and 1700 and was dubbed the Great Settlement by Spanish explorers who visited the site. That's, the city of Etsanoa may have housed more than 20,000 Wichita tri- tribe people. The historical city is considered a part of the Quivira. Let's see. Francisco Vasquez de Coronado visited Central Kansas in 15. 15- in 1541, dubbed the Wichita Settlement, I mean, Wichita Settlement's Quivira. The Umana and Laba expedition, I probably butchered that, visited the Etsunoa site in 1594, and Juan du Onet visited there in 1601. They recorded the inhabitants as being the Rayados. Rayados in Spanish means striped. The Wichita people noted for the straight lines they tattooed on their faces and their bodies. In April 2017, the location at Snow was finally discovered when a local team found a cannonball linked to a battle near Arkansas City, Kansas, that took place in the year 1601. Local researchers used this artifact as which evidence which enabled them to pinpoint the location of at Snow. Hmm. Oh, wow. There's like a sketch here, and it looks... That's a lot of people. Yep. Archaeologists have discovered more than a dozen large sediments along six miles of the Walnut River. There are, oh my goodness, they these are called the Lower Walnut Focus Sites. These sites have been dated from 1500 to 1720. Oh, and a small number of artifacts of Spanish origin have been found. Okay. Oh, our August viewership's gone up. Oh, what are we at now? Uh, 117 downloads. Downloads? I mean, that's the same thing as plays. Oh, okay. Oh, we have uh, Ireland, Germany, Australia, and U- the UK now. Yay. And our demographic for 0 to 17 and 45 to 59 is the same now. Uh, let's see, just watch, like, as you're looking at it, suddenly Japan pops up. We have, like, one person there that's like, and it turns out it's, like, actually a Japanese government official. That, my good sir, would be very terrifying. I can tell you, like, the geographic location. We have people in Ohio that listen to this. 25% of our audience is from Ohio. And we have 117 listeners, you said? Or that's how many Uh, we have? That's, like, total. Okay, something's wondering, what's what's going on in Ohio that's making them look up conspiracy theory podcasts? Don't know. Indiana, Georgia, Oregon, Missouri, New York, Colorado, and Washington. As well as uh, Kansas. Okay. We're going to get swatted eventually, Ben. Might as well do it now. This goes on the Google. How to get yourself swatted. I'm going to be put on a list for this one. 
Please don't tell me you actually looked it up. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, this is on my permanent search history. <laughs> How not to get swatted is the number one result. Is this like for Twitch streamers who like had problems before in the past? Uh, that's like the second uh, result. Okay, let's see. It's Noah. Spanish. Uh, it's part of the Spanish Chronicles. The uh, city of Etanoa. Donald Blakesley. Bla I'm gonna say his name, Donald Blakesley, an archaeologist at the Wichita State University, has led recent research on Etanoa. In 2013, historians at the University of California, Berkeley. Retranslated early Spanish accounts of traditions ex, uh, expeditions to Kansas, and these clearer translations allowed Blakesley to match written descriptions to archaeological sites. He located the 1601 Spanish battle site in Arkansas City. Okay. During road construction in the area in 1994, thousands of artifacts were unearthed. And the residents of Arkansas City regularly unearthed artifacts such as pot shards or flint points. Kansas State archaeologist Robert Horde is researching sites in Rice and McPherson counties, neither of which we are located in. So we're going to have to take a road trip to go see this eventually. <laughs> Let's see. It would appear that the Rados abandoned the Walnut River site in the early in the early 18th century, perhaps they moved a few miles south to Kay County, Oklahoma, where two 18th century archaeological sites, Deer Creek and Bryson Paddock of the Wichita, are known. They appear to have been much reduced in numbers by then, possibly as a result of European diseases, warfare, and slave trade in Indians. The descendants of the Rayados were absorbed into the Wichita tribe. Hmm. I mean, can you imagine just living there and being like, hmm, I'm gonna go garden, and then you dick up a, uh, let's see, like a, the jawbone, like you dig up a jawbone while you're planting your petunias. Actually, I do know some people around here that have found some, like, remains of Native Americans, or heard about people. The only thing I've found around where I live is... Uh, there's a field about five miles away from here where there's supposedly a settlement, and I found, like, a single arrowhead. Oh, no. However, it's considered trespassing, so I don't do that anymore. We're getting more spotted, John. Thanks. Well, I looked it up, so, yeah, we're, um, see y'all when I get out of prison, folks. See y'all in the afterlife. See you in the afterlife, man. Okay, let's see. Next topic is the Silurian, uh, Silurian hypothesis. Yeah. All right, let's take a look. The, um, I'm going to have a hard time saying this. The Silurian hypothesis is a thought experiment which assesses modern science's ability to detect evidence of prior advanced civilization perhaps several million years ago. In a 2018 paper, Adam Frank, an astrophysicist from the University of Rochester, New York, and Gavin Schmidt, director of NASA, the NASA Goddard Institute, fun fact, I'm pretty sure Goddard was from Kansas, imagined... Hold up. In the, there's the sub-district of Wichita called Goddard. Okay. Oh, wait, that's Derby. It is in Cedric County, though. Okay. Person. Um. Wait, Gavin Schmidt from Kansas, or... Robert... Was... Robert H. No, no, this is the wrong person. Okay. He's known as, like, the father of rocketeering. Okay. And he's oh, not... Like that. I was thinking of the other guy. Don't they teach about him at the... At Hutchison as the Cosmophere? They do. 
anyway. The director of the NASA Goddard Institute imagined an advanced civilization before humans and pondered whether it would be possible to detect an industrial civilization in the geo geological record. They wrote, while we strongly doubt that there is any previous industrial civilization that existed before our own, asking the question in a formal way that articulates explicitly what evidence for such a civilization might look like. Like, what? Okay. So some of this raises its own useful questions related to both astrobiology and anthropology. Anthropocene studies. The term Silurian hypothesis was inspired by a 1970s Doctor Who serial, Doctor Who and the Silurians, which featured a species called the Silurians. Okay. So, like, basically, it's about a, the people trying to find a previous civilization before humans existed. Yeah. Like a, pre, like a very advanced civilization, much like our own but long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Or on Earth, you never know. Joke's on you guys. You see, indoor is actually Earth. We just, we just, you see, what happened is, we, act, we didn't evolve from apes, we evolved from Ewoks. Nah, I'm kidding, I don't. <laughs> uh, that's gonna create canon. No, we no. shouldn't do that. Please don't make art of this. Please don't. Okay, you didn't have to mention that. Okay, we're going to edit that out. We're going to edit it out. I will attempt to edit that out. No promises. So, like, the of course, the evolution theory. What evolved from Ewoks? Like, what are Ewoks now? Wait, what? Oh, this is a question that I don't want in my search history. What are Ewoks now? And I'm closing that tab. I regret that, Ben. I regret it. Did, did you see something you didn't want to see? No, the first the first uh, thing I saw was a uh, fan fiction about Chewie and an Ewok. Well, yeah, let's not go there. Okay, yeah. It was about their wedding. Or something like a wedding. This disturbs my peace. Doesn't Chewie actually have a girlfriend in, like, The Force Awakens? Because they're, they're at that one cantina on uh, Pagadana. Um, there's nice. that, like... There's like this old woman alien, and she's and she's wondering how Chewie's doing and stuff she like says that. She's boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, her name is Maz. Yeah, yeah. That is a sweet old lady. Who just happens to have Luke's lightsaber that he had lost about like thirty years ago, like oh, that she keeps in her basement in a box. I mean, isn't like isn't what she says like all lost things come to me or something like that? Uh, something like that, I guess. All right, let's see. I mean, like Doctor Who. Did you ever watch that growing up? Uh, I have never watched it. Maybe I saw some clips of it when I was younger, but I've never seen it. Okay, in my in my opinion, it's it's pretty good. Isn't it the current doctor a female at the moment, or was? Uh, she is. Okay. Yeah, so like, I watched it growing up, and I always thought it was really cool, like, how the guy could time travel. I started in on about the ninth, I think he's the ninth doctor. Maybe I'm mistaking that. Doctor Who, Doctors, uh, roses in the series. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I started in about the twelfth Doctor. It's not actually the ninth because I thought the ninth Doctor was the. He's got the sonic screwdriver. I have no idea what that is. 
basically it's a, a multi-use tool that you can use for I'm guessing just pretty much just about anything okay. because it's very powerful so is he like or is the doctor a shape-shifting alien or something that or something no he's an, he's an alien but he's not a shape-shifter from my understanding okay. so why does he have to change into different people so often uh, like, I, I think it's, like, the thing if he dies, and, uh, feel free to correct us on this with our email, um, but when one of the doctors dies, I think that they reincarnate into, like, a different doctor. Okay. And if you want to correct us on this, our email is business.conspiracy.podcast at gmail.com. Please don't send us I like, more. I like how it just. I like how it says just business, even though we don't. I, I don't. Can you technically turn this to a business? Well, I we, guess we do. We have attempted that merch. I guess. That is true. Let's see. The doctors through the ages. Yeah, the the doctor I came in on was Louis Capaldi. I'm I'm sorry, Peter Capaldi, not Louis Capaldi. All right. Oh, sorry. I got just my phone at the moment since it's now below fifty percent. I'd rather keep it charged while I'm doing the podcast. Okay. All right. All right. So let's move on to our next topic: the, the Stargate Project or Project Stargate. Um. Project Stargate was the 1991 codename for a secret U.S. Army unit established in 1978 at Fort Meade in Maryland by the Defense Intelligence, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, similar to the CIA, and SRI International, a California contractor to investigate the potential for psychic phenomena in the military and domestic intelligence applications. The project and its precursors and sister projects originally went by various code names: Gondola Wish, Grill Flame, Center Lane, Sunstreak, Skin, Scan 8, until 1991 when they were consolidated and rechristened altogether as Project Stargate or the Stargate Project. Stargate Project's work was primarily involved in remote viewing. The the purported ability to psychically see events, sites, or information from a great distance. Psychics. They were investigating psychics in 1991. The project was overseen until 1987 by Lieutenant Frederick Holmes, Skip Atwater, an aide and psychic hunter, to Major General Albert Suttlebein, and later president of the Monroe Institute. The unit was small-scale, comprising about 15 to 20 individuals, and was run out of an old, leaky wooden barracks. The Stargate project was terminated and declassified in 1955, or I'm sorry, 1995, after a CIA report concluded that it was never useful in any intelligence operation, because psychics aren't real. Information provided by the program was vague and included irrelevant and erroneous data, and there was no and there was reason to suspect that its project managers had changed the reports so they would fit background cues. The program was featured in the 2004 book and 2009 film, both titled "The Men Who Stare at Goats." That's weird. Although neither mentions it by name. Okay. I mean, it didn't have anything to do with outer space. I'm disappointed. Another misleading name. I like to imagine, like, part of the reason why they stopped doing it was just, just a bunch of guys, like, all right, just, I'm just imagining it during the Cold War, just a military dude that comes in and is like, all right, Mr. Psychic, what are the Russians up to today? And the Psychic's like, well, you see, they're doing your mom. And then they get fired. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they'd probably be a little bit more than fired at that point. They might be executed at gunpoint. Like, all right, what are the Russians doing today? 
your wife. And it's like, actually, this time they're being serious. It's like, nah, you're fine. And he goes home, turns out, 20 years later, he finds out that, like, his, his wife... His son isn't actually his son. You know, like, yeah, and then, like, he also realizes that the, the, the nice Russian cleaning man his wife hired was actually a Russian spy. <laughs> Ben, you've given me a golden idea for a movie. <laughs> it's like Mrs. Doubtfire, but with a Russian spy. Mr. Kiev Cleaner. Okay, let's see. Um, Project so is, this like a, is this like a very muscular Russian dude who constantly drinks vodka, but he's, he's like... He puts in a little teacup with it. He's like... Imagine, like, the Terminator, but in, like, a, a pink, frilly, flowery apron with a broom in one hand and a tiny teacup in the other with, like, he's just, like, stirring vodka into the thing and just, like... It's like, That's uh, yeah. I don't want in my head. And then, like, there's, a, there's someone visiting, it's like, your name's, uh, Mrs., uh, it's the most stereotypical, it's, like, the most stereotypical, like, American last name, like, the most common, like, Smith... Brown. Yeah, a second, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out what the most common last name is in the U.S. I know, like Smith is common. I think Brown, the last name Brown, is very common. My mom's it is Smith. Name. Yeah. So, so your name is Mrs. Mary Smith. Yes, comrade, that is correct. Except it's in like the deepest voice you can imagine. Yeah. And then like. I know, like, he, he accidentally bangs his table, and, like, suddenly an AK just breaks through the ceiling, because it was, like, hidden in the attic. He leans up against the wall, and just, like, the whole ceiling collapses. Uh, uh, Mrs. Smith, why, why is there so much Russian stuff you have here? Oh, my husband, my late husband, he was very good comrade to his nation. He will be missed, but... Name is Smith. Yes, yes. Smith yes, is yes. a very common name in Russia. We're born in the United States and then moved to Russia. And then we moved back because we missed the grandchildren. Well, our Russian audience has just dropped off the face of the earth forever. We apologize and please don't hurt us. Yes, uh, please don't send your planes. Actually, if you could send a plane that I could see, but not, not like, hurt anyone, that'd be great, because I'm really into aviation. If there's any Russians out there, please make fun of us, too, so we know that the feeling is mutual, that we have a nice, friendly camaraderie. What did you say, Ben? Are you Russian? <laughs> no, I meant, I meant, like... They made, we made fun of them, so they make fun of us. So then it's nice, friendly camaraderie. The, the whole world makes fun of Americans because a lot of Americans are, um, they don't make the best choices. Like, the people that choose they're not going to wear masks or they're going to take their baby to a protest with confirmed COVID cases. Yeah, and then also we're not exactly the best at world geography. Or healthcare. I mean, our research is pretty good, but like, the guy that was released from the hospital with $1.2 million bill. Yeah, I'd rather not. Alright, let's move on to our final topic of the night. Chariot of the Gods. So there's two links for this one. One's about the book and one's about the author. Alright, you get the one about the book, I'll read the author. All right. Okay, Chariots of the Gods, it has a question mark on it. So you know it's... It... I don't know. Chariots of the Gods, Unsolved Mysteries in the Past, German in Lichtenland dies in Kunft. I, I can't read German, so I'm probably butchering it at the moment. Also, uh, in English... Hmm? You're on the first link, right? Yeah, I'm on the first thing. Okay, in English, Memoirs of the Future, Unsolved Mysteries of the Past is a book written in 1968 by Eric von Däniken. 
and translated from the original German by Michael Heron. It involves the hypothesis that the technologies and religions of many ancient civilizations were given to them by ancient astronauts who were welcomed as gods. The first draft of the publication had had been rejected by a variety of publishers. The book was extensively rewritten by its editor, Wilhelm Rogersdorf. I probably put that also. A pen name of the German screenwriter Wilhelm Utz, Utzmann. All right. And then, uh, summary. There is the gods poses a variety of hypotheses dealing with the possibility of extraterrestrial beings influencing ancient technology. Von Daniken suggests that some ancient structures and artifacts appear to represent higher technological knowledge than it is presumed to have existed at the times they were manufactured. Von Daniken maintains that these artifacts were produced either by extraterrestrial visitors or by humans who learned the necessary knowledge from them. Such artifacts include the Egyptian pyramid, Stonehenge, and the Moai or Moa of East Island. Further examples of medieval map no of a medieval map known as Paris-Rise Map, which von Donnegan describes as showing the Earth as it's seen from space, and the Nazca Lines in Peru, which he suggests may have been constructed by humans as a crude replicas of previous alien structures. As a way to call the aliens back to Earth, he uses the same explanation to argue that Kurt, Rutz, and Malta may have been extraterrestrial purposes, along with similar lines in Australia, Saudi Arabia, and the Aral Sea. The book also suggests that ancient artwork throughout the world could be interpreted as depicting astronauts, air and space vehicles, extraterrestrials, and complex technology. Von Donnegan describes elements that he believes are similar in art of unrelated cultures. Some artwork that Von Donnegan cites include the ancient Japanese Dagu figures, I, I probably mispronounced that, which he believes to resemble astronauts in spacesuits and 3,000-year-old carvings in the Egyptian New Kingdom temple that appear to detect helicopter-like machines. I think I know what he's talking about, but I think it's just our mind likes to uh, familiarize things we see. So it could be a pic it could be a symbol that represents something else. But when we see it, we see a helicopter. But it clearly meant something else at the time. Like you know what I mean. Graphics. So it'd be like how. Our mind tries to look for things that are familiar to us or similar to something we've seen before and try to interpret it as that. I think it's mainly, I think that's what's going on with that anyways. The book goes on to suggest that the origins of religions include interpretations of the Old Testament of the Bible or reactions to contact with an alien race. According to the Von Donnegan, humans consider the technology of the aliens to be supernatural and the aliens themselves to be gods. Von Donnegan asks if the oral and literal traditions of most religious contain references to visitors from stars and vehicles traveling through air and space. These, he says, should be interpreted as little descript literal descriptions which have changed during the passage of time and become more obscure. Examples include Ezekiel's vision of the angels and the wheels, which Von Donnegan interprets as a description of a spacecraft, the Ark of the Covenant, which is planned as a communication device with an alien race. I don't I'm going to be honest, I don't think that's accurate with the Ark of the Covenant. I, at least I don't think it is. Was it used to... Did they use it to communicate with God? Because I don't think it was used to like um, I'm not sure. We'll probably end up covering that in the season finale this September. Okay. Along with, like, covering the stuff we thought we need, we thought we need to recorrect and stuff or add in. Yep. Okay. Just so we're not considered blasphemous and uh, ignorant... Yeah, because, yeah, recently for me, I've kind of come to the conclusion, like, I've been saying that these are in the Bible, because I could swear I've read them in the Bible, but I don't know where in the Bible they are, so I figure I need to go back and look these up. Swearing is a sin, Ben. Yeah, that is true. I need to stop. Could have sworn I read it there. <gasps> That's a sin. All right, let's read a little about the author. Eric von Daniken. Hold on a second. I'm still. I, I just. I was just asked a question. I'm almost done though. Which okay. is explained as. Okay. And the destruct. And the destruction of Sodom by fire and brimstone, which is interpreted as a nuclear explosion. That's that's a bit extreme, I think. Oh. Uh, von Daniken attempts to draw an and draw an, an analogy with the cargo cults that formed during 
that formed after that I mean that formed during and after World War II. When once isolated tribes in the South, the Pacific mistook the advanced American and Japanese soldiers for gods. Von Duncan also spends around one-third of the book discussing the possibility that humans could theoretically offer primitive civilizations on interstellar worlds advanced technology by the year 2100. This would, he writes, mimic the ancient extraterrestrial contact Von Duncan believes to have happened on Earth. And then the next thing is academic dismissals, plagiarism controversies, discredited artifacts, and popular response. So I'm going to say at this point he's been debunked, right? He's crazy. Did he but, die? No, I think he's actually hold on a second. I, I mean, you have the thing with the article about his about the author himself. Yeah, I'm looking. Alright. Um, nope, he's not dead yet. Okay. He's 85 years old. He was born April 14th, 1935, and is now 85, almost 86. All right, let's, let's read a little about the author. Eric Anton Paul von Dyken, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the German, was born the, on the 14th of April, 1935, and is a Swiss author of several books which make claims about extraterrestrial influences on early human culture, including the best-selling Chariot of the Gods, published in 1968. Von Daniken is one of the main figures responsible for popularizing the paleo-contact and ancient astronauts hypotheses. The ideas put forth in his books are rejected by major, a majority of scientists and academics who categorize his work as pseudo-history, pseudo-archaeology, and pseudoscience, like MLMs and uh, essential oils. Early in his career, he was convicted and served time for several counts of fraud or, and, and or embezzlement, and wrote one of his books in prison, so he might have had, like, cracked a little bit. Von Daniken later became a co-founder of the Archaeology, Astronautics, and SETI Research Association, AASRA. He designed Mystery Park, now known as Jungfrau Park, a theme park located in Inter... Interlaken, Switzerland, that opened in May of 2003. Okay, so I think he's totally cracked. I mean, I will say, like, whenever we're trying to figure out ancient human history, I can understand coming up with theories, since we do have some good detailed accounts of some of the ancient world, but I think that you get to a point where some of those Records start to get a little bit abstract or vague because it's farther back and it's people trying to explain what's happening and these are like tales that have been passed on for years and generations and stuff. You get what I mean? Yeah. So I can understand some things going, like, I can understand some things by some saying that some, by like a culture's god did something or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, I think, I mean, some of his research, not that I've read any of it, but some of his research might have actually made sense to some people, and I think those are probably the people that are looking for something to believe in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what else? I'm looking over our topics and I just saw the USA and Russia's lost nukes so that'll be the next episode yeah I think that's just about also when we were looking at the ninja earlier I accidentally discovered another cryptid because it popped up on the side of like oh that seems interesting and you know what it is it's the Oklahoma octopus oh yeah I saw that you added it to the the very bottom Well, that'll be an interesting thing to research. Yeah. That just about wraps it up for this episode. See you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.